All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles, and we're going to be in chapter 25 tonight. I've got a couple questions before we get started with this, and we're going to look at a king here who was half-hearted for the Lord, and, and it made me think of some uh, questions about maybe having a half-hearted doctor or a half-hearted surgeon that's about to do surgery on you. I don't think we would like that too much. Maybe a half-hearted mechanic working on our car, changing the brakes. Might not like that too much. Or how about those who are married have a half-hearted husband or a half-hearted wife? I don't think there's anything that we, in particular, would like to see in our lives. And tonight we're going to look at a king uh, who is king over Judah who is half-hearted. So the reign of Amaziah received... uh, some approval from the author of Second Chronicles, and he said that he did things that were right in the sight of the Lord, but he didn't do it with a perfect heart, or he did it half-heartedly. Second Kings 14.3 says that he, yet not, he did things not like David his father. He did it according to Joash his father, what his father had done. And we see Joash at the end of his reign kind of start to go away from the Lord and kind of want to do his own thing. He started off very strong being raised in the temple. And uh, he, 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 was, he was a strong leader for Judah. But we see towards the end that he started to kind of fade away from the things of the Lord. And we're going to see here how Amaziah's half-heartedness would affect not only him, but the nation of Judah as well. So let's go ahead and start in verse 1 of chapter 25. It says, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. In verse 2 it says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. So Amaziah was 25 years old when he took, took his reign. And no doubt when he was born, Joash, was, his father, was doing things for the Lord. We've seen, uh, he probably seen his father's zeal for the temple and, and getting that in order. And he, he probably took example of that. And he probably in his early reign did things that were in, in line with the Lord and with the Lord's will. He would also see the fall of Joash as well and what his father did. He'll see the, the death of Zechariah who was murdered by Joash and his men, then we'll also see the retaliation. He would also see the retaliation on his father and the death uh, that came to him. So he's seen a lot while his father was alive. So he had a lot to glean from and, and, to, and to take from to be able to start ruling over Judah. But in verse 2, it says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Amaziah did what was right. He loved the Lord. He did, he did good things at times. But we'll see that half-heartedness they talked about. There'll be many repercussions that will happen in his reign as we read through these verses. And unlike Amaziah, we have a Savior who is not half-hearted. We have, a, we have a Savior who is wholehearted in saving us and sanctifying us and bringing us to where we need to be to be with him in glory one day. Could you imagine if Jesus was a half-hearted Savior? That he would only save you somewhat. There wouldn't be too much confidence. We couldn't put too much confidence in him for our future. There, would, there wouldn't be much hope. If he was a half-hearted king, 
Would we like to be under his rule and under his, his reign? We might have second thoughts on that. But we know that Jesus was not half-hearted, unlike Amaziah, but that he is a wholehearted king and a wholehearted savior. And we could take comfort and we could take satisfaction in that. So thank God that he is not half-hearted like Amaziah. And it goes on in verse 3. It says that now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established for him that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. However, he did not execute their children, but did it did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses. For the Lord commanded, saying, The father shall not be put to death for their children, shall, uh, for their children, nor shall their children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall die for his own sin. So the reference to the kingdom taking time to establish. His father, Joash, had just got murdered because he ended up okaying the murder of Zechariah. So his father had just got murdered. And I'm pretty sure those people who had murdered his father, Joash, uh, Amaziah's father, Joash, was probably trying to put their own person on the throne at this time. They were trying to change the regime or change the reign uh, of the king. So Joash probably had to go through a few things in order for him I'm not Joash. Amaziah had to go through a few things in order for him to get to that throne. And one of those things were murdering, uh, killing the, the, general, uh, the people who murdered his father, Joash. He had to make sure that was taken care of. And often in this time, in this day and age, they wouldn't only stop at those who may have committed the crime of murder, but they may have gone after their children as well and their families to kind of wipe out any any... Uh, threat that may have come from these families. But we see here that he didn't do that, that he just took care of, executed those who had murdered his father. He didn't do that. He didn't execute their children as well. And you can see in Deuteronomy 24, 16, it talks about exactly what we just read in verse 4, that they would kill the fathers, but they would not kill the children for the father's sin. And I think the day and age we're living in, people like to blame their mothers or their fathers or their upbringing for their shortcomings in life or how, what kind of person they end up becoming. But the, the problem is we can't blame anybody else for our lives. We have to live our lives. We have to answer for our lives to, to God. We can't have my mom or dad answer for my life. So I think right here we see Amaziah doing something that was right in the sight of God. That, hey, if you're going to do this, this is the way it's done. And he was actually at this point doing things that were right in the sight of God. But as we continue to read on, we're going to see that his heart would shift to things that were not of God. So in verse 5, it says, Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, according to their father's house, throughout all of Judah and Benjamin, and and he numbered them, from 20 years old and above, and found them to be 300,000 choice men, able to go to war, who could handle spear and shield. Verse 6, it says, He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. So here we see Amaziah is going to go to battle with Edom, 
and he's building up his army. And that's okay, because they went to battle. They had to defend their territory. And God was going to ordain this battle. And we'll see that he's going to gain victory in this battle. But then we see him try to team up with Israel. And if we know from the past uh, chapters we've read, we know teaming up with Israel is a no-no in the sight of God. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. But Amaziah had paid these mercenaries to come in to fight on the side of Judah already. But this was not God's way. This was not the way that God wanted it to be done. This was encouraging a relationship with Israel who was steeped into idolatry and false worship of God. This was aligning himself up with, with a group of people who were contrary to what Judah was supposed to be. Judah was supposed to be the shining light who was worshiping Jehovah, the true God, and worshiping, worshiping him in a true way. But here he's aligning himself with a group of people who were not doing that with a group of people who is deep into idolatry and would eventually pull Judah away if this, if this teaming up would happen. So it goes on, go on about these relationships and not being equally, unequally yoked with people. In 2 Corinthians 6.14 it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It says, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? This is what happens when we, we team up and have relationships with the ungodly, with those who are following their own ways. That doesn't mean that we don't have work relationships or we don't have acquaintances or people or family members who are unsaved and we don't talk to them and witness to them and spend time with them. But we shouldn't be connecting up with them in, in any ungodly manner. If we know that we have people who, who we're in relationship with that are, are starting to take us down the wrong path, maybe we need to break that relationship. And that's what Judah needed to do here. They needed to break any kind of relationship they had with Israel. So Amaziah was starting to go down the wrong path by making this huge mistake with aligning himself with Israel. And we need to make sure we don't align ourselves with those who are ungodly or who can get us deep into sin. It goes on in verse 7. He says, but, but a man of God came to him, saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the ch- children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has the power to help and to overthrow so God is showing Amaziah some grace and some mercy. I'm going to give you a warning. He's sending a warning to him. And how many times in our life we may have been going down the wrong path or lining ourselves up with somebody, and God puts on our conscience or has someone come to us to warn us against doing that deed that we're about to do. Showing us mercy, giving us grace to make that change, to turn around from our errors of our ways. And that's what he's doing to Amaziah here. He's giving Amaziah a second chance, even though he's already started to align himself by hiring those mercenaries from Israel. God is warning him, look, if you go into battle, it says it in verse 8, hey, if you're going to go into battle, go ahead and go, but I'm going to let you know God's not going to be on your side in this battle because God is not on the side of Israel. 
So if you're going to be for Israel, be for Israel, but let, let, just let it be known you're going to lose the battle. And we have to realize that when we are on the side of the ungodly, we are going to lose the battle too. There's going to be discipline that's going to be brought to us, but we can get straightened out back to, to the path that we need to be on. So we need, to, we need to realize who we have relations with. We need to realize there's times we need to cut those relations off. And we need to look for when God is trying to show us that grace and mercy, when he's, he's talking to us with a small voice, hey, this is something you shouldn't do. I'm giving you an opportunity to pull yourself away from that. And he's doing that with Amaziah uh, right here. So it goes on in verse 9. It says, then Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents? He's worried about the money that he paid these guys already. He's worried about the wrong things at this point in time. He shouldn't be worried about the money that he paid to these mercenaries. It says, but what should we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. So we see Amaziah worried about the money that he spent on these mercenaries. That's his concern. He's not concerned about, hey, let's do what God says. Let's go into battle without these mercenaries. He's worried about the money he's about to lose. Not having faith in God. That God has, can give him more than a hundred talent. You know, we, we serve a God that has more than enough to, to give us back what the enemy has stolen from us. God is going to take care of us. We don't have to worry about maybe some of the finances we've lost. We don't have to worry about the tight situations we're in because we have a God who already knows what situation you're in. He already knows what you need. But here we see Amaziah in his half-heartedness. He, yet on one end, he wants to obey God. He wants to go ahead and let those mercenaries go. But on the other hand, he's like, oh, well, what about the money I already paid them? So he's kind of double-minded in his thinking on, on how this should work instead of just trusting wholeheartedly in, in what God's plan was for him and for the nation of Judah. And it goes on in verse 10. It says, so Amaziah... Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back. Therefore, their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. Now, at first glance, reading that verse, we're saying, well, why, why are these guys getting upset about being discharged to go back to Israel? They're walking away with the money that Amaziah gave them. It's not like Amaziah asked for the money back. But they say here that, that it brought forth their anger and they were greatly aroused against Judah. So they're upset that they're being let go. Maybe it was their pride. They didn't feel like they were needed, maybe. So they were upset, but I don't think it was that. We're going to see in a few more verses what they end up doing. It's going to be about the loot and, and, the, and the spoils of war they're going to miss out on, which was probably going to be more than the 100 talents that were given to them. So they're upset that they're going to miss out on that as well. If you go on to verse 11, it says, Then Amaziah strengthened himself, and leading his people, he went to the valley of Salt and killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. Also the children of Judah took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them down from the top of the rock, so that they all were dashed into pieces. 
But as for the soldiers of the army, which Amaziah had discharged, and here we go, so they, so that they would not go with him to battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Haran, killed 3,000 in them, and took much spoil. So these were the soldiers that were released by Amaziah that were upset because they weren't going to battle, because they were upset they were going to lose the spoil from the battle. So they ended up getting the spoil from, ba- from the battle anyway by attacking these cities that were, were unprotected and going in and killing and, and pillaging these villages or these cities in Judah. So they were going to get what they, they wanted to begin with. And it goes on, it says, but as for the so, I'm sorry, in verse 14, it says, now it was, so after Amaziah, <clears throat> let me see, no wait, let's go back, I'm sorry. So we see, we see these, these men pillaging the villages and getting the spoils, and the problem with that, God was still disciplining and, and, and correcting Amaziah even in this, even though Amaziah eventually did what God wanted, which was getting rid of those mercenaries from Israel. The fact that he still dabbled in that and still paid them, and that was his mindset, God did put some discipline on him. <clears throat> he delayed in his obedience to God. He knew that, that dealing with Israel, having these relationships with them, was not what God wanted. You can, we've read this in the chapters leading up to here, that God wanted Judah to have nothing to do with Israel, to leave them alone, but Israel kept on for some reason wanting to be in partnership with him. So Amaziah knew that it wasn't right from the get-go, that he should have never hired these mercenaries. So now we see that his delayed obedience is still disobedience. We've all been there where we know that God has told us not to do something, but we've already started the process of it. And then when we do come out of it, there's still some payment we have to have on it. Because let me tell you something. We can, we can change our position on something. We can, we can walk away from some sin sometimes, but sometimes there's still lasting effects from those sins. So it can say sin can often put us in positions where it is impossible to exit without loss. Even though our sins are forgiven, still here on earth, sin can hurt us and hurt those around us and can cause issues that may last for generations at times if we're not careful. So that's why we need to be obedient quickly to what God wants uh, for us and not to wander off from him, wander off that straight and narrow path that God has laid out for us. And that's why we need to have a whole heart for God, unlike Amaziah's heart, which was half-hearted. He wanted to do things that were right for God, but yet I still want to go do the things that, that make me feel good or the things that bring glory to myself instead of bringing glory to God. It goes on, verse 14. It says, now it, was, now it was so after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites that he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah, 
And he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from their hands? Now this practice of taking the gods of those who you had defeated in battle was a common uh, practice in, in the Near East at this time. So they figured that these gods, which belonged to the people I defeated, actually helped me win the battle. Sounds a little ridiculous to me, if you, if you ask me. But this is, this is what he was thinking. But we know that this idolatry is contrary to what God's will is. He should have known this from, from his father and from his father's fathers on down the line, that you do not worship any other gods. But yet he decided to take these gods and make them his gods and worship them because he thought that they brought him the, the victory in the battle. A little ridiculous. So we see his heart is simple. We see his heart is bent on worshiping other gods. And God, once again, in his grace and mercy, sends another prophet or another man of God to him to tell him the error of his ways and to turn from it. But unlike the last time that he was sent a man of God or a prophet, he doesn't turn away from it this time. In verse, uh, verse 16, it says, So it was, as he talked with him, that the king said to him, Have we made you the king's counselor? Cease. Why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. So here we see Amaziah's full of pride. And we know in Proverbs 6.18 it says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. So Amaziah's pride is welling up in him and he's not wanting to hear from God anymore. And that is a dangerous place to be when you don't want to hear from a man or a woman of God or you don't want to hear from God directly. That is a dangerous place for a person to be. And we'll see what it ends up happening because he don't want to listen. It says, now that God is determined to destroy you. He is not in a good place. And nor are we if we're not going to listen to the things of God. And if God constantly reminds us and tells us, stop doing this, stop doing that, walk in my ways, listen, obey my commands and my statutes, but we constantly rebel against them, there's going to be discipline brought upon us at some point in time. We are his children. I have two girls And when they act up and they need discipline, I bring discipline to correct their ways. The same thing with God. He wants to correct his children and and bring discipline to his children because it's for their own good. But whenever you have a a wayward child or a wayward uh, son like Amaziah, not wanting to listen to the father anymore, not wanting to heed the discipline, it's only going to lead to destruction. And we're going to see that here with uh, Amaziah as we continue. So in verse, um, so we see, we see this man of God coming to Amaziah, giving him some advice, giving him counsel on what he should do, that he should turn away. But we're going to see here in verse 17, it says, Now Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, Come, let his face one another in battle. So Amaziah didn't want to take the advice of the man of God. He didn't want to take the advice from the prophet. 
and the warning that God gave him. So basically, he's not taking the advice or counsel from God. But he goes back to his own peers and his own counsels, and they tell him what he wants to hear. And that's exactly what our world wants right now. They want to be told what they want to hear. They don't want to be told the truth of the gospel. They don't want to be told what the consequences are for not listening and following God. They don't want to be told that we need to have a whole heart in God and not be half-hearted in our walk. So we see Amaziah doing just that, getting advice from those who are going to tell him what he wants to hear. And what he wants to hear right now is, I want to go to battle with Israel. Go to battle with Israel. That's a good idea. Go ahead. Go to battle with them. You're just coming off of that win against Edom. Surely God's going to give you victory over Israel. Because why? God doesn't want to have anything to do with Israel. He doesn't want to do anything for Israel. So sure, you're going to go into battle, but Amaziah is walking in disobedience at this time. So in verse 18, it says, And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as a wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Indeed, you say that you have defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with the tr- with trouble that you should fall? That that you should fall. You and Judah with you. Basically, the king of Israel is telling them, "Go home. Hey, enjoy the victory you got. You don't want none of this because you're going to fall." Just go home and enjoy what you have. It's kind of telling him that sarcastically, almost egging him on to, yeah, come on to battle. But he's telling him, you don't want this up here in Israel. Go home, enjoy your victory. So he's mocking him at this time. In verse 19, it says, indeed, you say that you have defeated, I already read that, but we're going to read it again. Defeated the Edomites, your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay home now. Why should you meddle with trouble? that you should fall, and you and Judah with you. There's times in our lives that we, we were talking earlier about going away from God, walking into sin. Sometimes we meddle into old sins we may have struggled with at times. And we're going to see now how meddling in things we shouldn't can affect us. And we're going to see how it affected Amaziah and Judah. In verse 20 it says, But Amaziah would not heed, for it came from God. So God was ordaining this defeat of Amaziah. He was controlling it. He was sovereign in what was going to happen here. And it says um, that it came from God, that he might give them into the hands of their enemies because they sought the gods of Edom. So God has given them into the hands of Israel because why? He started worshiping these gods that came from Edom. And he did not listen to the voice of God when he warned him against what he was doing in worshiping these gods. So Joash, king of Israel, went out, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, uh, Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at uh, Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. So they're going to battle with each other. And we're going to see here in the next uh, couple of verses a couple of things that, that they meddled in that caused great harm 
to the nation, and if we're not careful, can also cause great harm to us in our walk as well. The first thing we're going to see in uh, verse 22 is Amaziah's meddling brought disgrace not only to him, but to the nation of Judah as well. And it says in verse 22, And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. So they ran back home with their tails between their legs. They've been defeated, and now they're disgraced, and they brought shame to them. And you will find yourself disgracing yourself and your Lord if you meddle in places you don't belong. So if you have a problem with alcohol in the past, maybe you shouldn't go to a bar, even if you're invited by so-called friends. Maybe you shouldn't do that. If you have a problem with lust, maybe you shouldn't go to certain websites anymore or find yourself alone with individuals that may cause you temptation, which will end up bringing disgrace on you. In verse 23, secondly, we're going to see Amaziah's meddling decrease Judah's defense as the walls were broken down around Jerusalem. It says, Then Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh. And he brought him to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate. 400 cubits. So we see now the defense of Jerusalem being torn down. No longer do they have that strong wall to protect them inside. And the problem with a little sin is just that. A little sin, a little chipping away at your defense. And the sins get bigger. They don't stay little for for, for long. And then your defense is down and then you're full blown into sin again. When you know you shouldn't have done that, And Amaziah was captured here, and they ran straight through Jerusalem, taking the spoils of war along with them. In verse 24, we're going to look at Amaziah's meddling diminished the worship there in Jerusalem. In verse 24, it says, And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom, the treasures of the king's house, and hostages in return to Samaria. So we see here that the beautiful treasures that were in the temple, all the utensils that were used for worship of God, worship of Jehovah in the temple, were now taken away. And the worship that they once had in this great place is now diminished because they're meddling in things that God did not want them to be in. He did not want them to go to battle with Israel, did not want him to worship those false idols, those false gods. Yet he did it, and now we're seeing the ramifications of what sin brings. So he's no longer the worship diminished. And finally, Amaziah's meddling destroyed Jerusalem's freedom. They were taken hostage. And that's exactly what sin does to us. It takes our freedoms away. It takes our rights away. It takes everything that God has for us away whenever we lean ourselves over into sin, and we we have a half-hearted attitude towards our worship of God. And we need to hold on to our freedom. As believers, we're some of the freest men on on the planet. The freedom in Christ is as free as you can get. You can be in captivity or enslaved, but if you have Christ in your heart, you're a free man. And there's, and, there's, and there's nothing that can take that away from you. But there's things that can hinder that when you want to lean yourself over into sin, back into slavery, into sin. 
But we do have a Savior that is good. Amen. Amaziah was free to attack Israel. That is true. But it wasn't helpful. It cost him. And we talked about earlier how sin costs us. It all kind of avenues of life. It goes on, verse 25 and 28. It says, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah from first to last, indeed, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? After the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on a horse and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. So we see the downfall of Amaziah, and we see the effects of having a half-hearted zeal towards God. And the people ended up chasing him down, killing him, and he ended up being buried with his fathers. Because when we live the half-hearted life of Christ, or or we meddle in things we shouldn't, we know that leads to sin, and what does sin ultimately lead to? Death. And we see that in the life of Amaziah. But in Romans 6.23, it tells us that. It says, for the wages of sin are death. You know, sins brings death, whether it could be a physical death, it could be a spiritual death, it could be a death of a relationship. It could be death in any kind of fashion. That's what sin, the end, end result of sin is, is death. It says, but in the second part, there's good news in Romans 6.23. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And thank you. I want to thank the Lord that he is a Savior that is wholeheartedly into saving us, wholeheartedly into forgiving us and bringing us into eternity with him. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask, Father, that you would uh, just bless each and every individual here, Lord, and that we would examine our own hearts, Lord, uh, whether we be half-hearted towards you or, or we be wholeheartedly towards you, Father God, and we hope we are wholeheartedly towards you, Father, that we would follow your commands and your statute, Father, and we, we would just do your will because it's, because it's, it's something that, that helps us, Father God. It's good for us if we follow your will, Lord, and it doesn't bring pain and it doesn't bring sorrow, Lord, but it just brings joy to our heart. So we thank you for those who are here tonight. We ask that you would uh, bless their travels home, and we pray for blessings for those who are not able to make it. We just want to give you glory and honor, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.